Hello ladies and gentlemen, you are welcome to the Live It Up podcast which is proudly brought to you by the Uganda Child Cancer Foundation, the Uganda Cancer Institute and the Tribe UG. This is a podcast on life, lessons and survivorship with non-communicable diseases such as Parkinson's disease, autoimmune diseases, cancer and many more. My name is Brandy Valentine Azirwe, Communications and Awareness, Uganda Child Cancer Foundation and today I'm joined by Dr. Fadil Geriga from the Uganda Cancer Institute, who will be introducing himself in a bit. And today we're going to talk about cancer treatment resources, trials and affordability, and he'll break it down for us. Now, please note that you can still be part of our podcast, not only by listening, but by also donating one or two things to children suffering from cancer. All you have to do is visit our website, and then you can get more information there. Now, let's get into our discussion today. Right here with us, we have Dr. Geriga. Dr. Geriga obtained his medical degree from Barra University of Science and Technology, after which he completed training in pediatrics at Macquarie University. He served at the Uganda Cancer Institute as a general pediatrician for four years before joining the East Africa Pediatric Hematology and Oncology Fellowship. He's a member of the first class of the East African Pediatric Hematology and Oncology Fellowship Program graduates. He spearheads the development of a world-class muscle and kidney cancer care and research program at the East Africa Center of Excellence in Oncology at UCI, under the mentorship of world experts from Texas Children's Hospital and more. He is definitely a true son of the soil. You're welcome to our podcast, Dr. Geriga. Thank you very much. Yes. How do you enjoy your work amidst children, despite the fact they're in pain? Started from... Well, I, I always have a belief yeah. that somebody who asked me such a question, mm. so I'll paraphrase the question to say, yeah. what do you do for humanity and yeah. what do you do to earn a living? Yeah. To me, the two are not the same. Yeah. Um, I know many people today think what you do for a living is the same thing that you do for humanity. True. But sometimes there's a, a clear distinction between the two. Yes. And that's one of my key motivators in the area um, that I spend quite most of my time in. Mm. Uh, I do know that... Um, Pain is real, death is real, mm. suffering is real, especially yeah. in, 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 in illnesses. But I also do know that um, man has work to do that can make what looks obscure to be very obvious. Absolutely. And that strongly motivates me in, in what, what to do. I see children with pain. Yeah. I've been seeing children with pain many, many years before even I became an oncologist. Yes, please. And one of the key things which actually motivated me to join oncology was, can I contribute to remove their pain? Yeah can type put a bit of smile in their faces. Yes. So I started that journey right from when I was a master student in pediatrics. Yes. And I've enjoyed it to yeah. date yes. because um, uh, when you see me going to my clinic, you don't know that's a clinic because yes. we enjoy it out the children. And that is what I'm set to do, yes. to try to remove the pain and, yeah. and, and, and make them smile like other children, like me smiling also. Yes. Dr. Geriga always walks with a smile on his face around the institute. That's why this question was very vital, and I'm glad you do that for humanity. We appreciate you. Now, getting into the cancer treatment and trials and so much more, what the drugs for the children, is the demand equal to supply? Well, um, I will say yes and no. Yeah. Um, why do I say yes? Uh, because um, of recent, I've seen that within my vicinity, within where I work, at any time T, we have 90% of all what we need. Yes. However, we have some very rare occasional occurring cancers that 
children can present with and you may find that you don't have the molecule to treat them appropriately. And typical is because the cases are rare. Yes. But for majority of the cases that we see routinely, we have adequate supply of medications for them. Fantastic. Of course, one thing I should also talk about here is that um, cancer treatment goes beyond drugs. Yeah. Cancer treatment also involves surgery. Yeah. Cancer treatment also involves radiotherapy. Yes. Cancer treatment also involves palliative care. Yeah. And um, based on uh, my 10-year experience working with children with cancer, yeah. I've dramatically seen improvement in all the aspects of treatment of, of children with cancer, both including surgery, radiotherapy, and chemotherapy, and also support medications. Fantastic. Are there resources and programs that support drug trials and treatments for the childhood cancer patients? Yes, well, um, we, we have partnerships. Yeah. And these partnerships have actually given us a lot of boost in trying to see how we can support our children with cancer. Yeah. Before you talk about a drug trial, you talk about many things. Yes. You talk about research in what's called epidemiology. Yeah. Here we're talking about the burden. Do yes. you actually have the cancers? Yeah. And which type of cancer do you have? Yes. And which people do they affect? And yeah. that's the first research that we talk about. Yeah. And I can assure you that that research is going on very uh, very well in Uganda. Yes. We now have in our fingertips what are the common type of cancers we have here, who gets them, how frequent they are, how do they present. Yeah. Then when we have this uh, research done, the next level of research is now going to be how to treat them. Yeah. And that's where the issue of uh, clinical trials comes in place. So we yeah. can't talk about clinical trials without knowing the burden of what you have. Absolutely. So today we have, um, we've mapped some cancers, we've understood their biology, and we are now at a level of trying uh, the use of medications. Mm. Of course, it appears a new thing here, but I, can't s I, I will tell you that um, the first successful treatment of cancers using drugs in the world in the world, I mean, was done here in Uganda Cancer Institute. Yes. Um, uh, our great uh, parents in the field of oncology tried to use what's called cyclophosphamide, vincristine, and methotrexate to treat one of the most commonest childhood cancers called Bacchus lymphoma. Yes. And it was based on that background that actual drugs have been studied to be used for treating cancers anywhere, in children, in adults, and so forth. So, um, so it's not a new thing that we do clinical trials here. Yeah. But currently we have a number of clinical trials which are going on. Um, we we are testing some advanced treatment for Bacchus lymphoma. Yes, please. We are soon starting to test uh, the use of um, of uh, some common drugs for treating some of the common cancers. Of course, I can't give you the details. Yes. But what we know is that uh, clinical trials are part and parcel of what we do. They are much more easier among adults than in children, mm. you'll find that if you ask the question, the concept of adults, mm. there are many clinical trials going on. Mm. But because of restriction and sensitivity of how a drug is treated in a child, yes. so you find that um, we are a bit slower in that just because of meticulous steps you have to go to ensure safety of children before you expose them to drugs. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. What challenges do you experience? Okay. Uh, what challenges what challenges do you experience with the treatment and trial process in UCI? And basically, uh, some people are not necessarily doctors in our, <laughs> in our, in our audience, so you could also break it down a bit as a layman, for the layman. Well, um, as I said, what is called a clinical trial? Clinical trial is actually a research to see whether one molecule or medicine can treat a disease X. Yes. Um, 
and a drug co- goes through several steps to be prequalified to be used in humans. Yes. It must first show that it can actually kill the disease in a laboratory. Yes. And then it must after that show that it can kill the disease in a non-human living thing in a pirate or in other animals. Mm. And then after that it must demonstrate that it can now kill the disease in a human being. Yes. Without causing injured human being. Yes. And finally it must demonstrate that if it is given to 10 people of the same disease, okay. then more than 80% of them respond. If a drug treats one out of 10 people, mm. we can't approve it for use in humanity because it must cover a bigger population. Mm. So um so these are very meticulous steps mm. that somebody has to go through mm. uh to be able to get a molecule qualified for use in humans and also in children to treat whatever ailment including cancers. Yes. So as I said that going through these steps is very hectic. It requires a wide range of a team to do it. Absolutely. Um so at my level talk about clinical trial I'm talking about the third level. Yes. Somebody will have done for me the laboratory test. Mm. Somebody will have done for me the the test in animals. Okay. And then when when the molecule passes those two steps that's when I say okay can I try it in a human being now mm. under yes. under standard condition to see what happens. Okay. Um another challenge that we have is of course this array of team to do this stepwise investigation are still very limited in Uganda. Yes. And uh, the laboratory capacity is also very limited in Uganda. And therefore for molecules to reach that third level it's a very big challenge. Mm. Um another challenge is also the knowledge about the biology. The genetic makeup of this disease is still very low. And this really I attribute it to a limited uh skilled manpower in the various aspect of human it's not about being a doctor my work is made simpler if the lab team do their work well mm. if what to call basic science people do their work well yeah. yeah okay that's awesome uh parents many times stop treatment and start putting their children on herbs how much of a danger is this to the process Well um I think the main reason why most parents actually prefer using alternative medicines is to do with the lack of appropriate knowledge that they get yeah or lack of appropriate knowledge that they are given by the care providers uh we do understand that that a significant component of the medicines were used actually developed from herbs yes and we do understand that that these herbs are purified and standardized to develop the appropriate dosages that we give our patients mm. our biggest concern with the use of alternative therapy is one how purified are these molecules to be given to humans mm. and two what appropriate scales of quantity we're talking about dosages how do we how do they estimate it how much active component they know exists in a in a glass or in a cup of of a herb that can be can be used by a child mm. and that's a very big challenge and of course the third the third which is the last aspect of the challenge of using herbal medicines or alternative medicines is how much does it interact with other medicines for example when i give a child two drugs i must know drug a if it if it is the same in the time with drug B they can form a complex X they either nullify each other or they worsen each other's effect now yes. that information is not there because we don't know the active component in the herbs so i can't recommend a tablet panadol which is an obvious medicine yes. to be taken with the herb X because i don't know what ingredients are inside that herb Absolutely. if that herb also has panadol mm. then i'm giving panadol tablet that is going to be double dosing and that may be dangerous mm. or if that herb is having an anti panadol inside it and i give it with panadol they will nullify each other's effects yes. so for that reason we want to as much as possible to educate the people to try to restrict um 
treatments based on known facts, mm. not based on gamble facts. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Make research and then, yes, that's true. Dr. Geriga, how can we deliver affordable and high quality cancer care in the 21st century right here, right now? Um, the background to this is that cancer is a very complicated thing to treat. It's True. not like treating malaria or a skin rash where I can sit in my small room clinic and give a tube or a tablet. Yes. And so cancer being a complex, the most important things we do is, there are three. Mm. The first one is how do we ensure early diagnosis? Mm. Early diagnosis means that disease is caught when it is still very small. Absolutely. And two, how do we make sure that we don't misuse medications? Mm. For example, if you do not have a very good standardized care process, you may end up giving people more medicines than what they need. Yes. And these medicines are not like antibiotics, where they may not have, antibiotics may not have a very big impact. But if I give a cancer drug, you know, antibiotics called antibiotic means it acts on a bacteria. Yes. But anti-cancer, one can say they act on human body cells. So the toxic profiles are very, very high. Okay. And then the third aspect of uh, cancer treatment is the exit. Exit means how do I discontinue treatment? And mm -hmm. there are two ways of doing it. You either do it by declaring somebody cured, yes. and in that case, you have to rehabilitate. Okay. For example, if you have a child who has cancer of the eye, you have treated him or her, and have removed the eye as part of the treatment, yes then you must put some replacement for the eye. That's oh called rehabilitation. Yes. Okay. If a boy has a knee cancer and you have cut his leg as part of the treatment, then you must send him out with an artificial leg. Yes. That's rehabilitation. The, 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 but the other arm of exit from cancer care is people whom we can't cure. Okay. And we call that palliation. Yes. And in regard to palliation, we say that at least if you can't cure, then you must care. You must make sure that somebody whose life is terminal, whose life cannot be regained by the available human knowledge, the person undergoes minimum suffering. Mm. And the family undergoes minimum suffering for yes. the time that he or she is supposed to live on earth. So that's another very important exit strategy for cancer care. Yes. So putting all these aspects together, we need, one, a multi-layered approach. But as I said, the entry point is early diagnosis. Early diagnosis, for example, if a cancer has not spread and we're able to catch it early, then the treatments are not as extensive, they're not as intensive, they're yeah. not as very expensive. Yes. Compared to somebody who already has stage four or uh, stage three or stage four cancer, yeah. where the treatment will be multi-pronged and will be more expensive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So more reason, we, at the end of the day, the moment we start, early diagnosis leads to affordable and high quality care in this 21st century. Perfect. Are, are there other reasons why we could get high quality care? Uh, yes, um, still under, still close to early diagnosis, we, mm. we talk about identifying issues of prevention. Mm. We do know that children cancers are not like adult cancers, mm. that they are not related to lifestyle, mm. and they all occur by accident. Mm. Therefore, they can't be screened for. Mm. They can't, there are no preventive approaches for children cancers. Mm. However, there are some particular cancers in children that mm. can be screened for. Mm. The first example I'll talk about is cancer of the eye. Yeah. So we know that that is a cancer, one, which can run in families, yeah. and two, can be detected early. 
So a child whose elder sibling had a cancer of the eye, mm. this is a child whom we need to screen regularly, maybe every six months for the first one year by mm. looking the eye and uh, to see that if the cancer is developing, we get it early. Yes. The next other thing that we need to talk about in affordability or effectiveness cancer care is information management. Yes. And if if somebody is is getting treatment in Barara, mm. can they have access to the same information somebody is getting treatment here in Kampala? Mm. Can we centralize our working systems? Can we make sure that whatever information is in which part of the country is actually standard, is actually the same uniform information? True. And that is known to, re to, 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 to reduce on wastage of, of resources. Of resources yeah. The other thing which is also very important, of course, is develop local capacity to do studies to understand the burden, mm. to understand the trends, yeah. and to understand the most av av available and uh, effective local remedies for, for cancer care yeah. uh, in our setting. Mm. Of course, another thing which, which many people always don't um, talk about is people think um, cancer is a hospital disease. Mm. We are saying that everybody has a role to play. Yes. We have a role to play by either passing out information, we have a role to play either making a material support, yeah. um, we have a role to play either um, by, by, by maybe creating awareness for those who have finished treatment. Mm. And those aspects which are, which are not part, part of the hardcore oncology practice, mm. but they are, we call them the social oncology aspects, mm. that area which has been neglected is actually a very key factor in ensuring that we have effectiveness in treating cancers locally. Okay. Thank you very much. Life after treatment. There's so many there's so many patients you see. Some make it uh, and get cured. What's what does their life look like after the patients, some of the patients who leave your hands after treatment and do you get to like get feedback from them? Do you follow up on them? They're some of the best advocates for cancer care. <laughs> yes. <they laughs> yeah, are. so um, as I say that people exit cancer care in two ways. One is that those who get cured and you have to rehabilitate them. Yeah. And other those who are unfortunate that we're not able to cure them and we lose them. Mm. But the ones who get cured and we rehabilitate them and they settle back in the community, mm. of course, we don't just send them away. Mm. Because the fact that you developed cancer in the whole population in your family, it means there's something unique with you that you need to follow up. Mm. So these people, we encourage them to have routine, regular, focused follow-up yes. by a trained person to, to, to see that they're not getting rebounds of cancer okay. or they're not getting other severe diseases like cancer that they could get. Because I said that if you, you get cancer, it means there's something wrong with your system that regulates or that controls the body functions. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, sure. What message do you have for anyone listening to you on this podcast? The most important thing I want to say is that um, cancer is everybody's problem. Mm -hmm. My problem, your problem, and everybody's problem. And everyone's problem. And therefore, we individuals have roles to play. And not all our roles are similar. Yes. And all, our roles can only bring success if we put all of them together. Together. We're stronger together. Uh, that's one. The second thing is that... Um, Cancer, like another disease, is curable. Yeah. I mean, if you bring a child with severe, what's called severe cerebral malaria, the mm. child can die. Mm. Similarly, if you also, but if you bring the child with an early malaria, the child can get cured. Yes. Similarly, if you give me a child with cancer early, can get him cured. Yeah. But give me a child whose cancer is so spread, yeah. then then I can get cured. So early diagnosis is is, is very important. Yes. The third thing which maybe I can I can I can say is that um, 
getting cancer is not the end of the road. Mm. There is much which can be done to make cancer patients live happy, happy yeah. to make cancer patients live with us. Yes. But then the cancer patient must live with us. Cancer is not is not like COVID, which is infectious. It doesn't <laughs> move from one person to another. And you need to. So we don't have to discriminate them because they have cancer. To isolate. No, no, that yes. one is not there with cancer. Thank mm. you. That's true. Yeah. I have one more question for you. Are you ready? This is the last one. What did what did the ocean tell the shore? It j- <laughs> I will answer that one for you. <laughs> Please yeah. answer it for me. Yeah, so the ocean told... The, it didn't say anything. It just waved because oceans have waves. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the ocean just waved to the shore. Yeah, that oh, was thank it. Thank you, great. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we have come to the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and we're very glad that you have been able to break down cancer treatment trials and affordability for us. Thank you you too yeah so now to our listeners the activity of this week we definitely have to just jog jog you don't have to run life is not a life is not a sprint it's a marathon so try and jog and see how much time you can cover in kilometers that will be very good for you now thank you for listening and tuning in to the live it up podcast you can catch us on our social media handles uh for the uganda child cancer foundation uh, on uc uccf uccf then the Uganda Cancer Institute at www.uci.org.ug.com. Then the Tribe UG on www.thetribe.africa. Please feel free to stay with us for more splendid content. I've been Brandy right here on the Live It Up podcast. See you soon. Bye.